Good morning. Well, it's good to be back at uh, Mount Zion after a bunch, a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of years. I'll introduce myself a little bit to those of you who do not know who I might be. Israel called me uh, about midweek and asked me if I could come and fill in today. You're used to a young preacher, now you're going to have an old one today. Uh, I was at Winfield for 25 and a half years, First Baptist Church. Retired from as full-time pastor back in 2012. And we moved up to Winston County. Uh, we built a house up on Smith Lake. And when we retired, didn't have a place to live. So we're, we're up there at a little place called Houston. And we belong to Arley First Baptist Church. And um, joined there about four and a half years ago. And about six months after we... Uh, well, there, the pastor asked me if I would consider being the missions pastor in our church. I said, well, I'll need to pray about that. So we did, and I told him, yeah, I'd be, able to, I'd be glad to do it. He let, I'm, I'm able to go and preach about half, half the time, so I'm gone about every other Sunday mornings uh, preaching somewhere uh, in a Baptist church, and I enjoy that, but I enjoy doing the work in missions as well. All those years in Lamar County, Sagnus, uh, a lot of tracks up, up and down here. And, and Miss Eulene here, um, we go back to the 70s, back over in Lamar County. I was her pastor before she and Erskine met and married. And in fact, I baptized her. And uh, so have a great relationship with these folks. And some of the others of you I maybe kind of recognize a little bit. But uh, anyway... Good to be in God's house today. I uh, wasn't sure I'd be able to get up this morning. I uh, laid blocks yesterday, building a retaining wall, and uh, up and up and down. I've got three things that uh, I'm going to be celebrating this year. First of all, Joyce and I, and Joyce could not come today. Some of you've asked about her. We have Youth Sunday at our church today. They're, uh, the band, their band's playing, and she's in drama, and so she has a drama team that's uh, doing something there, and the youth pastor is, is uh, preaching. So I'm, I'm missing that, but she was able to, had to stay there. But uh, what I, I forgot what I was going to say. Anyhow, I was able to get up, praise the Lord. Uh, we, we came up to Hamilton last night uh, in, a, in the deluge, Tracy Estes is uh, running for a Senate seat or a representative in, in, in uh, 17, District 17. And I was Tracy's pastor all those years I was at uh, Winfield. So we came up and, and ate a meal with them over to Civic Center and, and enjoyed that. And uh, I was talking with a guy, I don't know what his name was, sat at my table. He's from Hamilton, didn't know him. I mentioned that I was going to be at Mount Zion. He said, oh, that's that church up on 25. They have a lot of folks that go up there. He said, I go to a little church down the road. He didn't tell me where he went. So your name is, is out. Folks know about what's happening here. And um, I remember when Israel surrendered to preach. And uh, such a fine young man. You're, you're blessed to have him. You know that, right? Amen? Well... Let's get to what I came here for today, and that's to preach. 
I had intended to preach something, but um, I woke up early this morning for some reason. I don't usually get up and see the sun rise. I did this morning. And the Lord changed my mind, sent me to Nehemiah. So if you want to turn to the book of Nehemiah chapter 8, we're going to read several verses in Nehemiah chapter 8. We'll have a prayer and then we'll let the Lord lead as I, as, as I preach. So Nehemiah chapter 8 beginning with verse 1. We find these words. Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday. By the way, that word that's translated morning means from, from daylight. He began reading about daylight and read till about noon before the men and women and those who could understand uh, and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And as the scribes stood on the platform of wood which they had made for that purpose and beside him at his right hand stood Mattathiah, Shema, Ananiah, Urijah, Hilkiah, and Messiah, and at his left hand, Padiah, Mishael, uh, Malchijah, Hashum, Hasbendana, and Zechariah. Now that's a mouthful. And if I did not pronounce all of them, the Lord forgive me, all right? We've got another verse also with some other names that we'll be looking at in a few moments. But I believe that every name is important. I believe that God put them all there for a reason. These people were important in their day in serving God. And every person that is called is important. There are no unimportant people in the kingdom of God. And Ezra opened the book of the, in the sight of, of all the people, for he was standing above the people. When he opened it, the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people answered, Amen, Amen while lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shabbatiah, Hojiah, Messiah, Kalita, Azariah, Jezebed, Hanan, Paliah, and the Levites helped the people to understand the law and the people stood in their place. So they read distinctly from the book in the, in the law of God, and they gave sense and helped them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra the priest and the scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep, for all the people wept, when they heard the words of the law. And he said to them, Go your way and eat fat and drink the sweet and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. 
So the Levites quieted all the people saying, Be still. Be still, for the day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink, to send portions and rejoice greatly, because they understood the words that were declared to them. It's important. Because they understood. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for the opportunity to be in your house today. We're thankful for the people of God. We're thankful for the Word of God. We're thankful for our country, the privileges it affords us to worship freely. Lord, as I say that and as we worship today, many of our brothers and sisters are being persecuted. Many are being killed for their faith. May we never, ever, ever take for granted the blessings that we have because we live here in America. I pray for our nation today, for our president, for those who lead us. But I pray for this congregation today. Bless Brother Israel and his family as they're away today. But I pray that you'll help us to set our mind to the things at hand. That is hearing and understanding and doing the Word of God. Lord, thank you for hearing our prayer. Please forgive us where we have failed you and we'll give you praise and honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know what it is to have some... uh, Great event in your life to be able to celebrate. You've had a new member come into your family, and our family seems like it's exploding. We have eight grandkids and nine great grandkids, another one on the way. And we're seeing people that are being added to the kingdom of God every day. I along with the other preachers in our church, stand at the front at the end of the service and receive people. Our church is not a huge church. We, have, we average about 217 in Sunday school and about 250 in worship. Last Sunday as I stood over at this side, a young lady came all the way from the back, walked down, her mother came with her. She may have been 19 or 20 years old. I don't know, beautiful, beautiful young lady. I don't hear well. We've got hearing aids in each year, and I still can't hear. I could tell you stories about Joyce and I at home and about our conversations and all of that, about conversations at church as well. And she began to talk, and I said, you're going to need to speak up. I can't really hear. So very plainly, she said, I want to be saved. I said, what's your name? She said, Amanda. I said, Amanda, the Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Would you like to do that? Would you like to confess your sins and become a part of the family of God? She said, yes, I would. Standing right there in the altar last Sunday morning, I prayed with Amanda to receive Jesus Christ as personal Savior. It's It's not an unusual occurrence in our church and around the world. I'm sure you have things like that happening right here in your church at Mount Zion. She was in church on Wednesday night. That speaks well 
of something really happening in her heart. Wouldn't you think so? I believe when a person gets saved that they have a desire to go and be with the Lord. And I think every time we come together, it ought to be a time of celebration. I was talking about having good events in your life and having things to celebrate. I think we ought to look for things to celebrate. The older I get, the more blessed I am and thankful I am that each morning I'm able to say, thank you, Lord, for the light of another day. Erskine walked up to me a while ago and said, I'm 96. I said, praise the Lord. You know, I, this year I'm going to be having a, uh, something happen in my, I started to say a while ago, and I, I don't know where I got detoured. That happens a lot with me nowadays that I'm getting older. Joyce and I will be married 60 years coming July. In October of this year, I'm going to be celebrating 60 years of ministry. Lord called me to preach back in 1958, just three months after we had been married. Also, I'll be celebrating my 80th birthday in November, so I've got a lot to celebrate this year. But you know, every time I come to church, I like to celebrate. That's what these people were doing that we read about today. They'd been in captivity for seven, we call it the 70 years of captivity. Some of them were there longer, some there shorter. Several thousand had come back at three different intervals and they had finally after the exhortation and encouragement of folks like Malachi and some of the other prophets had finished building the temple such as it was. And now we come to an event where they have finished building the walls around the city. Now, to us today, that seems strange that they would have walls around the city, but that was their defense. They didn't know anything about nuclear weapons and that kind of defense like we know today, but it, basically the same thing. So as I said, it was a time of, of celebration. And so they've, they've come together for, to be able to just, just praise the Lord and, and to worship Him. Now, a lot of things are happening here, and we're going to look at four or five things, and there may be some other things that you may pick up on as we look in, into our scripture today. First thing I notice is that there was what I call reconciliation with the saints. Scripture says they all stood there together. They gathered together, the scripture says, as one man. Now, I've been in Baptist life for a long, long time. I was saved in a Southern Baptist church when I was 15 years of age. Now, I grew up going to a primitive Baptist church and a Methodist church three Sundays in the month, and there was a deacon in the Southern Baptist church in our community over on Sand Mountain where I grew up on that little farm that ran a bus, and I caught that bus and would go to that Southern Baptist church on that particular Sunday once a month. In a revival meeting in July on Thursday night, I heard God call me to come and be saved. So I know a lot about Baptist folks, and I, I know that it's hard to get three or four folks to, to, to agree and to think like. You know, we don't all like the same thing. But you know, we need to give each other space. We need to understand that everybody don't think just like I do. Everybody don't like the same things I do. Our music, you know, we, we, we differ in what we, we like as far as our music is concerned. In our church, we have blended music. We have a lot of music like we did today. 
We also do some of the singing of the hymns in our, in our church. We, we, have, we have a choir in our church. I call it a gospel choir. They like to celebrate. They like to lift their hands. They like to praise the Lord while, while they're singing. I enjoy seeing people have a good time in church. But it's hard. You, you know, you get three Baptists together and you got four opinions, really. Yours, mine, and hers, and God's opinion. And, and God's is the one that's usually right. But when you get a church together that can agree, that, that's blessing. They came together as one man. I'm thinking back for a few moments, and you've got to deal with it because I'm an older man, all right? And I, I like to reminisce a lot. I'm thinking back about our church, our church down at Winfield. It came a time when, when we just ran out of space, and for 11 years we did two services on Sunday morning. Built a building to accommodate our preschool and our senior adults. And we decided we're going to build a, build a building. Some of you have been there. You've seen the building, and it took us a while to build it. It's a big undertaking, about $5 million. I'll tell you what, it's a lot. it took a lot of praying, a lot of doing to get all those Baptists to agree that that's what we needed to do. But they did, and we got it built, and God has honored that, and they've almost got it paid for now. Praise, praise the Lord. But what I'm thinking about today is, Scripture said they gathered together, as one man. You know, when I read that, I, I thought about Gideon. And I thought about his 300 that he took. You remember the story? He had 32,000 to begin with, and God said, you got too many. Gave him two or three tests. Finally came down to 300, and God said, I'll use this, these 300. You go to the book of Judges, and you read about it, and you'll find the, the scripture saying, and every man stood in his place. Now, you can put every woman there as well because in every church there's a place for men and women and for boys and girls and I think every person important. Sometimes we say, hey, the kids are a church of tomorrow. That, that's really not a true statement. The kids are part of our church today. Important in our church today. They need to be in on what's going on today. Parents need to teach them. We need to teach them in our, in, in our uh, Sunday school, our small groups, uh, what it means to be, to be a child of God. But it had not always been that way in the life of these Israelites. You go back about four chapters and you'll find them mulligrubbing. You'll find them arguing. You'll find them complaining. In fact, the scripture, scripture says we're, we're not able to build a wall. What's it said in chapter 4 and verse 10? Scripture also says that some of the Jews dwelt too close to the enemy. I'm finding that's true today with a lot of Baptist folks. They're staying too close to the enemy. They're too friendly with the world, folks. The Bible says we're to die to ourselves, and we're to do that continually every day in every way. I haven't arrived yet. I've been a Christian for a long, long time. But I haven't arrived yet. It, it, it keeps, I have to pray every day. I have to read my Bible every day. Folks say, you know, when you get to be as old as you are and been in the ministry as long as you have, you know it all, that, wrong. That's not true. It still takes work to dig into the Word of God and, and to dig out a message and, and to preach. And it takes work to live the Christian life. Would you agree with that? It takes work to really live the Christian life? I mean, it's not an easy thing. When we are saved, we, we have uh, uh, told the devil, we don't want you in our lives anymore. And he don't like that. And he's going to always be dogging our tracks and trying to get us off track. So some of them 
live too close to the enemy. Some were not plugged into his work. But now it says that every one of them gathered together as one man, unified in purpose, unified in what they ought to ought to do. And I, I, I know your pastor. I've been around him a lot in his family over, over the years. And I know that he's a good leader. And he keeps before you what this church ought to be about. And it, I was looking at your um, announcements as they were flashing across the screen there before, before church, seeing the things you're involved in. And it makes me proud to know that you, Mount Zion, are involved in a lot of stuff and you're, you're not just sitting here like a knot on a log. I go into some churches, folks, that's just like that. They're just glad to be here. You know, just, we just come to meet and we like to come and meet and eat and that's about all that a lot of Baptist churches want to do. So it's good to see somebody that has a progressive attitude in a congregation that has a progressive attitude. And folks, you know, I was thinking also, as we're thinking about this idea of them gathering together as one man, being unified, that Paul says that's the way the church ought to be. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in the context of spiritual gifts, if you know anything about the church at Corinth, you know it was a problem-plagued church. They were just full of problems. Every chapter deals with a certain problem they had. They had problems with spiritual gifts. Some are saying, my gift is better than yours. Paul said, it's not that way. He says the church is like a body. A body has many members, their arms and their hands, their feet, their fingers, their eyes, their ears, and their parts that you can't even see. And every part is important. He says that's the way it is in the church. You know, parts of my body don't work like they used to. And I got parts today that's aching and hurting because of the work I did yesterday. But I'm grateful I can still put one foot in front of the other and, and, and one, one will go that way and the other one goes, if, you know, if, if, if one of my feet wanted to go the other way and one this way, I'd be in trouble. But my mind tells my feet what to do, my hands what to do, my mouth what to say. My body is unified and that's the way the church is supposed to be. So the first point here that I see is there was reconciliation uh, with the saints. But there was also respect for the scripture. I pointed out that they, but Ezra began to read at daylight and read till, till, till lunchtime. Now I know Ezra don't preach that long and you better hope I don't preach that long too. My pastor, let me tell you something. You know, I support my pastor and it's kind of dangerous for preachers to be in church. There's another older guy in our church that just wants to have his way. He's a little bit older than I am, been in the ministry for a long, long time. But I determined when I was going to become a member of that church, I was going to support uh, my pastor. And, you know, I've, sometimes I find places that I feel like it would be a good place for him to quit and stop, but he don't. I just keep listening. And God usually has something to say to me along the way. So you may find a place that you want me to stop. I probably just hang on. God may have something for you to hear also. So it says there was respect for the scripture. Hey, the Bible says they rediscovered the word of God. Can you imagine? Now, it's hard. How it would be not to have a Bible. Can you imagine that? We've got uh, three couples out of the church at Winfield that are serving in Southeast Asia now. We have one young man that's serving up in New York. 
and they're serving, all of these are serving in hard places and those especially that are serving in Southeast Asia, serving people groups where these folks, a lot of them don't have the Word of God, where the Word of God has not been developed for them. I, and we go down to Brazil each year. I carry a group down there from our church. We work off of a boat on the, on the Amazon River and go into a different village every, every week. And folks, we run into people that don't have the Word of God. We carry backpacks full of, of Bibles and we give that speak Portuguese. And uh, can you, we just can't understand how it is when you don't have the Word of God. These folks had not heard the Word of God. They were hungry to hear the Word of God. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. When I come to church, whether I'm preaching or I'm sitting in the pew, I want to hear from God. I want to hear a message out of the Word of God. I don't necessarily want to hear a guy's opinion unless it's about the Word of God. And that's what I want you to hear from me today is that God has a Word for you and you're here today by divine appointment. God knew we are going to be here. You, some of you didn't know Brother Israel wasn't going to be here, I'm sure. But God has a Word for you and He has a Word for me also. So for years... They had not heard the Word of God. Folks, I hold in my hand the Word of God. It's all His Word. Now, some of it's hard. Not only hard to pronounce some of the names, but I'm talking about hard to understand. And then it's a lot harder once I understand it to do it. Would you agree with that? But folks, it's God's Word. And we're bound as people of God. We, we, we we Baptists pride ourselves in being people of the book. But then a lot of folks just don't spend any time in the Word of God. They don't read it. They don't heed it. They, they just come to church, just come to, maybe to mark, to mark time. So a lot of folks neglect spending time in the Word. Now, I have some trouble with my eyes nowadays. Tears come in my eyes. And I've had surgery on this left one. I don't have a tear duct there. And it just kind of water gets in my eye. And I've had to have a tube put in the tear ducts in this eye. And so I have trouble seeing sometimes. And sometimes I really can't read the Word of God. But folks, when I can, I enjoy spending time just sitting and reading the Word of God. So there is respect for the Scripture. This is not a fetish. Hey, this is not some good luck charm uh, just, just because you have a Bible. We're supposed to open it and read it. We're supposed to heed it. We're supposed to do it. We're supposed to be doers of the word and not hearers only. If we're hearers only, we're deceiving our own selves. And the devil would like nothing better than to cast doubts in your mind as to the validity of the word of God. It's an old and an ancient book, folks. But I'm telling you, it's down to earth and up to date as far as what it has to say for us. There was respect for the scripture. But there's also reverence for the Savior. Verse 5 and 6, it says, Ezra blessed the Lord. He blessed the Lord. He had good things to say about the When you bless somebody, you have good things to say about them. You know, we ought to have good things to say about our Lord everywhere we go. About our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But I'm finding a lot of folks are ashamed to really stand up for their faith. They don't want folks to know they're Christians. They don't like to wear Christian apparel. They don't like to to talk about Jesus Christ. Folks, if we're ever going to win 
our world to Jesus Christ. It's going to be because we are proud to be children of God. We're not ashamed of Jesus Christ and we're proud to share our faith. It's my responsibility to preach, but it's also my responsibility to, to share the Word of God. Now, I meet with a lot of guys on Friday, about a dozen or so of us over at Chef Troy's Talk of the Town restaurant in, in Houston, Alabama. If you had never been there, it's a, it's a Cajun restaurant. Be worth your trip down there. It's about 60 miles down there. Be worth your trip if you want to go out there. So I meet with these guys. Some of them are saved and some are not. And we talk about things. We pray. We have prayer requests. And I, I hope that, you know, through my influence in that group, maybe somebody's going to come to know Jesus Christ. I'll have the opportunity to talk to them. And I believe I have a responsibility. I have a neighbor that moved in from New York by way of Albuquerque uh, about two years ago. He, he's kind of a, he, he just, I don't really know where he stands. I've, I've tried to talk to him about Jesus Christ, even tried yesterday. And I'm hoping one of these days I'm going to maybe break the shell and be able to really win him to Jesus Christ. That would really be a trophy for me to be able to do that. And I'm conscientious about sharing my faith. Maybe not as much as I ought to be. But I'm proud to be a child of God. And there, there was reverence for the Savior. The Bible says that, that uh, he, he, he blessed the Lord and the people followed suit. They stood up. They lifted their hands. They said, Amen. By the way, it's okay to lift your hands if it's of God. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying today? Don't give me any of this false stuff though. It's okay to say Amen if it's of God. And I don't fish for those kind of things. If you want to lift your do it. If you want to say amen, say amen. If you want to say oh me, if you have to say oh me, say oh me. Whatever it is, if the Lord speaks to your heart, you need to, you need to listen to him. So it all comes from reading the word of God and hearing what it had to say. Folks, that's what the word of God will do for you. When you really read it, it'll speak to you. It'll make you understand who Jesus Christ is. By the way, that, this Bible is all about him. It's about him from cover to cover. It's about Jesus Christ, either about him coming or the fact that he came or the fact that he's coming back again. And one of these days, folks, he's going to come back. Could be today. I sometimes wonder how much longer he's going to wait. We're living in the last days. I believe that the Bible says that. How close are we to the end? I don't know. I don't have a clue, but you know what? The Bible says I'm to be ready. And I'm only ready if I'm doing what the Bible tells me to do. If I have proper reverence for the Word, for, for God that I've learned about in, in, in the Word of God. So praise Him for who He is. He's the great I Am. He's done something for you and for me we could not do for ourselves. The Bible says in Romans 5, 8 that He died for us while we were yet in our sins. Why were we yet in our sins? Folks, you can't get yourself clean enough or good enough to make him want to save you any more than he wants to save you now. And you can't earn your way into God's heaven. We're all sinners in need of salvation. I encourage you, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that you receive him today. So there was reverence for the Savior. Verse 8 and 9, there was renunciation of sin. Folks, I've, I'm convinced that repentance is um, the forgotten word in a lot of people's lives. 
They're like the old man that said, I repented when I was saved. I hadn't, need to, hadn't needed two cents. Folks, I need to repent every day. Are you listening to me today? I need to repent every day. I need to confess sins every day. You mean you're a preacher, been preaching for 60 years? Yes, I'm not perfect. Apostle Paul said, I haven't attained it yet. I'm pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in, in Christ Jesus. That's where I am, folks. I'm still pressing on. Yes, I need to confess sin. There was renunciation of sin, repentance. I'm convinced that's why they were crying. I'm convinced that's why they were mourning because God had spoken to them through his word. And you know, that's the, way, that's the way God broke into my heart. I stepped out of, from a bench that I was sitting on about two-thirds of the way back on the third verse of, oh, why not tonight? And came down to the altar and cried my way all the way down there while I was kneeling and all the way back to my seat. And I find myself doing the same thing and I make no apologies for tears that come from a broken heart and sorrow over sin. And I still do that and I make no apologies for it. And folks, it says that there, the Bible is indicating to us that there was repentance of sin. It says we're to draw near to him as we resist Satan. And it's an everyday job. Not just a Sunday job. Monday through Saturday are the days that's hardest on me. It's, it's easier on Sunday because I know I'm going to be in church. I know I'm going to be reminded uh, and hear the word of God. And if I get up and I don't pray as I ought to, and Joyce and I try, most every day we pray together. Most every day we pray for our family and for our church and for friends and for people that are lost and for the world and for missionaries. Most every day we pray together. That's not enough, folks. I need time alone with God. You do too. You can take time. I don't know what kind of job you might have. There was a time before God called me to preach that I worked at Dollar Mountain Power Company. I was a lineman in Birmingham for about 10 years before I actually started pastoring. I said before he called me to preach, I mean before I started pastoring. And I found time even during those times when I could draw myself aside and pray and spend time with the Lord. You can do the same thing too. There was renunciation of sin. But the last thing I want to say is there was rejoicing in service. Folks, there's joy in serving the Lord. Happiness in serving the Lord. Go and tell others, Nehemiah said. Ezra tells them, go and tell others, share the fat of the land. Share with them. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Folks, just think for a few moments what God has done for you. That'll make you happy. That'll, as a fellow said in my church in Birmingham, that'll crank your tractor when you think about what God's done for you. Something you could not do for yourself. Saved you from an eternity in hell. Given you a place in heaven for eternity with Him. A lot of folks have already gone there. Some of you older people know about that and some of you younger ones do as well. I've lost a lot of people in my family. Joyce and I lost a 16-year-old daughter in an automobile accident. I look forward to seeing her. My mother died bringing me into the world, 26 years old. I look forward to seeing her. She chose not to abort. 
when the doctor told her she might lose her life. She said, save the baby. I have a lot of reasons to want to go to heaven. Some of those are to see the people that died before me, people that are special to me. And I could give you a litany of names of people in churches I've served down through the years, some seven different churches I've served of people that became so close to me as family that have died and gone on. I'm called to do funerals almost every week, somewhere. And folks, I'm looking forward to one of these days. It's, it's joy to be able to share with someone when, when I stand and say to the family, I've known this person, I've seen their lives, I know that they're children of God. And I want to tell you something, we ought to be happy in the Lord. And there are a lot of other things that we could say here, but folks, I want to say this to you as, I, as we close out our message for today. We ought to celebrate what God has done for us. Are you listening to me? I began the message today about talking about celebration about celebrating stuff, celebrating things and dates and all of that kind of thing. But we ought to celebrate the life that we have in Him. You can't really do that. And you can't really have the joy of the Lord in your heart if you harbor sin. Are you listening to me today? Do you have sin in your life that you haven't given to Him? By the way, hear me. If you've confessed your sins to Him, Leave them alone. Leave them with him. Don't be digging them up. You don't have to ask forgiveness for it another time. Those sins you've confessed, leave with him. Now I know about that, folks. The devil keeps bringing things up in my life. Remember when. Remember what you did. Remember what you said. Hey, folks, if I've confessed them and left them with him, and if you've done that today, hey, that's good. But if you got stuff in your life you haven't given to him, you need to do it today. When that young lady came last Sunday, I'm standing right over here. There are about eight or ten people already in the altar praying. We observed the Lord's Supper last week. Our pastor preached on the Lord's Supper. You say that's not an evangelistic sermon. Must have been. God used it. I'm convinced that a lot of people need to come a lot of times and just spend time with Him in the altar. But what will people think? It don't matter. What people think, does it? It shouldn't. God knows. And you know. We're going to stand and sing a hymn of invitation in a few moments. It's an opportunity, folks, for us to make things right with God. If you've come today with a burden, leave it here. If you've come with sin in your life, leave it here. If you've never been saved, I'll pray with you. You can come to know Jesus as your Savior today. If you're a Christian, you're not serving Him in some church. This is the church where God wants you to plant your life. I know this church will be glad to have you come and join with them. So we're going to stand. Would you stand with me right now? We're going to sing.
You know how you normally do things at the end of the service. We're different, like, like I say, in our Baptist churches. But most of us have an invitation. We give you an opportunity. You maybe not need to come and talk to me and pray with me, but if you need to come and pray and do business with Him, the altar's open. Are you hearing? As we sing, this is yours right now. Thank you.